Good morning, guys. How are you? George isn't here. No George. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't get to say goodbye to George. Um, what? Did he pass? No, no. He's made of Play-Doh. He will live forever. Um, he'll just get crusty. All right. Um, hey, how, how was your guys' weekend? Did you guys have fun? I had, I had a ton of fun yesterday, went sledding with my boys, I got to play some broom hockey, I am very, very sore today, um, any of the counselors who played broom hockey, I'm sure you feel it, yes, um, but uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great time, and uh, over this, this weekend, as we've been opening up Ephesians chapter 4, we've kind of walked through this process, right? We started with how God made us, that he designed us, he made us in his image, to know, to love, to serve him. And then we saw how we, how we break that, how we mold it, how, how we distort it. That, that though we are made to know and love and serve God, we seek after other things. Because of our sin, our, our eyes are darkened, our hearts are hardened, and our spirits are dead. But God, in his love and his mercy, because he is not just a potter, but he's also a loving father, He sent Jesus to die for us and to rise again that we too might have new life, that we might be remade remade by him, that we might be recrafted, given eyes to see the truth, hearts to love our creator and new life in Christ. And I've talked about this week how if you have put your faith and trust in Christ, if you know him, then you have been remade, you've been recrafted, and so now the call on you that we're seeing in Ephesians chapter 4 is to act like it. It's to put off the old man, put off the old way, the way that you used to be, in the the deadness of your spirit and the hardness of your heart, put that off, and now put on this new creation that you've been made into. But what does that look like? What does it look like to live, to live out this newness of life that we've been given? What does it look like to put on the new? Well, let's open up again to Ephesians chapter 4, and let's see what that looks like. Let's see, in light of the things we talked about this weekend, how should we live? What should our lives look like? How should they be characterized? So Ephesians chapter 4, we started at the beginning of the weekend in verse 17. Um, We'll pick up today in verse 24. Verse 24. It says this. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And here we go. It's going to go into what putting on the new self looks like, what it looks like to live in light of the new life that we have in Jesus. And it says this, therefore, put away falsehood and let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one another. What's the, what does it look like? First thing, it looks like truthfulness. It looks like speaking truthfully. So, Truthfulness, the next one in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. 
this idea of, of forgiveness, of, of peacefulness. It says, and give no opportunity to the devil. So we are to be truthful, we're to be peaceful. Verse number 28 says this, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So not only are we not to steal, we're to work hard, not to gain a bunch of stuff for ourselves, but to be able to share it with those who are in need. So we're called to be truthful, we're called to be peaceful, and now we're called to be generous, okay? Truthful, peaceful, generous. Let's keep reading. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. We're called to be encouraging. Called to be encouraging. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So truthful, peaceful, generous, kind, forgiving. If we continue on to the first verses of chapter 5, it says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So what does it look like to live in light of being a new creation? What does it look like to live a recrafted life? Well, it looks like a life that is marked by truthful speech, by radical forgiveness. We're called to forgive each other. How? As God and Christ forgave us. How did God forgive us in Christ? Well, when we deserve death because we had offended against him, he gave us life and he took the death that we deserve. God forgave us in Christ in a radical, self-sacrificial way, and we are called to be forgiving in the same way that God is. So we're called to speak with truth. We're called to forgive even when it costs us everything. We're called to be generous, to work hard that we might give to others, not just line our own pockets. We're called to be peaceful, to turn the other cheek when we're offended. We're, we're called to be kind, be kind with one another. We're called to be loving. Again, loving as God is loving towards us. To put others before ourselves. To count others as more significant than ourselves and our humility. We are called to a radical life if we are going to live a recrafted life. We're called to radical truthfulness, radical forgiveness, radical generosity, radical peace, radical kindness, and radical love. That's what the life of a new creation looks like. But that's a lot easier to say than it is to do, isn't it? It's a lot easier to say that we should be truthful than it is to actually be truthful when we know that telling the truth in a situation is going to get us laughed at or made fun of. It's going to get us in trouble. We know that if we tell the truth in this situation, that it's not going to be an easy thing. It's a lot easier to say be truthful than it is to actually be truthful. 
It's a lot easier to say be generous than it is to actually be generous. It's a lot easier to say be forgiving as God has forgiven you, forgive others, than it is to look someone in the eyes who has hurt you so deeply and to actually forgive them, even if it's at great cost to yourself. It's a lot easier to say than it is to do. And yet, this is what Scripture is calling us to. To put off the old man, the old way that we used to be, when our eyes were darkened and our hearts were hardened, to put that off, because that's not who we are anymore, and to put on the new man, to put on this new creation that we've been made in Christ, to stop living like we're dead in our sin and to start living like the truth, that we are alive in Jesus and that it's no longer us who lives, but it's Christ who lives in us. That is a lot easier to say than it is to do. In fact, as I read that list, a life of being radically truthful, forgiving, generous, peaceful, kind, and loving, that's not just hard to do, that's impossible. It's impossible to, to be this way in a radical way constantly. We can't do it. I can't do it. Sometimes I, I, I just, I want, I want to lie. I don't want to tell the truth because the truth is embarrassing. Sometimes I don't want to be peaceful because I'm, I'm angry and I want to have this argument. I want to have this fight. I, 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 I'm, I don't want to forgive because someone has hurt me. They've done something to me that I think is unforgivable. And so I want to hold it over them forever. Even if they come to me apologetically, I don't want to say I forgive you because I don't want to have to forgive. I want to be able to hold on to my bitterness. See, this high bar of the new life is an impossible one for us to clear. It is impossible for us to look this way, to live this way on our own. Even though we've, we've been changed, we, we can't do this on our own power. How are we supposed to live like this? Well, this list of what the new life looks like, in many ways it reminds me of another list of the new life, another list of what it looks like to live as a recrafted person that we get in the book of Galatians. And in Galatians, the book right before Ephesians here, so just a few pages to the left in your Bibles, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we get another description of what it looks like to live in light of being made new in Christ. And this one's probably more familiar for many of you. It says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now listen, I... I'm having a hard time saying that, that I need to be truthful and forgiving and generous and peaceful and kind. And now... We're saying that in order to, to live the life that I've been made for in Jesus, I need, to, I need to be 
loving and, and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled? I can't do that on my own. I can't do that on my own effort. I can't just try a lot harder and be more self-controlled. I can't just try a lot harder and be more loving. I can't just try a lot harder and be more forgiving. But what's so interesting and so powerful about that list of the new life in the book of Galatians is how does it describe it? Those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, how does it describe them? What does it call them? It calls them fruits, right? It calls them fruits. It calls them fruits of the Spirit. And if we keep reading on into verse 24, it says this, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we belong to Christ, if we know him, if our faith and trust is in him, then the old man, the old us, with the darkened eyes and the hardened heart and the dead spirit, that version of us is dead and gone. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's dead, that's gone, that's not who you are anymore. We've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, and if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So the old us is dead and gone and put away, and the new us is given life by the Spirit of God. And the incredible, wonderful, merciful, glorious truth is that the very same Holy Spirit of God that gave us new life that took us and recrafted us, that took us and gave us a heart of flesh where our heart of stone was, that took us and opened our eyes that we might see, that we might see the truth of the gospel, the truth of God, the very same Spirit of God who took the death of our spirits and instead gave us life in Jesus. That very same Spirit of God, He is the one who gives us the power to live in light of our new life. The very same Holy Spirit of God who brought us out of death and into life, He is the one who gives us the power to live a life of truthfulness, of forgiveness, of generosity, peacefulness, kindness, and love. The very same Spirit of God is the one who gives us the power to live in light of the new creation. He recreates us, and then he gives us the power to live the recreated life, to live in light of the internal reality. Galatians describes that, that life that we are called to live as fruit the fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us, the fruit of new life in him. Now, here's the thing about fruit, right? A tree doesn't try to, go f to grow fruit, does it? Like, if you, if you walk through a, an orchard of apple trees, right? The apple trees aren't standing there going, all right, 
I'm going to try really, really hard, and I'm going to grow apples this time, right? And then, and then boom, apples pop out. That's not how it works, right? How does it work? How does an apple tree grow apples? It grows apples because that's what it is. It is an apple tree. It is an apple tree, so it grows apples. But in the same way, if we are new creations, made new in Christ, then our lives will look like what was explained there. Because all it is is an outward expression of an inward reality. It is this inward change that has happened in us as we have been made into new creations, now being shown out to the world around us in the way that we talk, in the way that we speak, in the way that we act, in the things that we love. So we grow this spiritual fruit. We live in this way that is described in this new manner of life just as a simple function of who we've been made to be. But then in Ephesians 4, Paul still speaks of this as if it's active. See, in in Galatians, it says that this is fruit. This is the natural result of being in the Spirit. The natural result of being made new is you, you live this way. But then in Ephesians 4, he tells us to take action, to put off the old man and to put on the new. So what is it then? Is this a work of ours or is it, work, is, it, is it a work of the Spirit? Are we supposed to live this way by trying harder to live this way? Or is it just naturally going to happen because we have the Holy Spirit? What, what is it? How does it work? And in a sense, the answer is both. See, we can't make ourselves more forgiving We can't, by sheer force of will, make ourselves more generous or or more kind or more loving. Only God can do that in us. So then how do we put off and put on? How do we participate in what the Spirit is doing in us? Well, God has set up ways, we might call them the means of grace, ways where we can participate in the work that the Holy Spirit of God is doing in us in progressively bringing that inward change to an outward reality. You see, I said an apple tree grows apples because it's an apple tree. But if I just threw an apple seed out into my backyard, there's just a little sapling in my backyard and I never watered it, and I never fertilized it, and nothing ever happened to it, that tree wouldn't grow apples, would it? No. No, because an apple tree also needs a a farmer. It needs someone to care for it, someone someone to water it. It needs to be taken care of. And, And in the same way, in the same way, we are like trees growing this fruit, this fruit of this new life, It is an outward expression of this inward reality of change. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it by sheer force of will. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit in us that brings us more and more into line with the character of Jesus. But God waters his trees in some very specific ways. 
He waters his trees. He gives us water that we might grow fruit in a number of ways. We call them the means of grace. I'm going to talk about a couple with you today. The first one is through the word of God. If we want to grow in truthfulness, forgiveness, generosity, peacefulness, kindness, love, all of those things that are listed there in the new life, if we want to grow in that, we need to make sure that we are being watered by the word of God. We want to make sure that we are spending time in scripture. In Psalm 1, the very first psalm in the book of Psalms, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. That's the Bible. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It's constantly on his mind. And then it says this, he is like a tree planted by streams of water who bears its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. If we want to be people who live in light of the new creation that we've been made into by Jesus, if we want to be people who live a genuinely recrafted life, if we want to put off our old way of living and put on this new way of living in light of who God has made us to be, then we need to be watered by the word of God. Delight in his word. Think about it. Meditate on it day and night. We need to saturate ourselves in this book. Yes, read it. Read it. Memorize it. Study it. Listen to it. I don't like to read all that much, but you know what I do? I listen to my Bible every day. You can too. I don't care how good you are at reading. You can open up the Bible app. It's got audio right there. Listen to it. If we want to bear this fruit of a new life in Christ, then we need to make sure that we are being watered by the word of God. 2 Timothy tells us that it is useful, that it is profitable, that it forms us more into the image of Christ, that it shows more of that inward change as an outward reality if we spend time in the word of God. So... First is the word of God. The second means of grace is through prayer. Through prayer. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you want to be someone who's characterized by peace? Do you want to be someone who, who can walk through life peacefully, who can speak the truth about what's going on, who can understand what's going on around them, and spend time in prayer? We need to be watered by the word of God, but we also need to be watered by the practice of prayer, by constantly praying to God, talking to him, making known what's going on. And when we're suffering, we go before him with thanksgiving and we make our requests known. Say, God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. Here's what's going on on in my life, and God, here's what my deepest desire of my heart is. 
See, we bear more fruit when we're watered by the word and when we're watered by prayer, but that's not all. You see, as we were going through this picture of the new life in Ephesians 4, I, I noticed something as I was reading it. And that's that so many of these markers of this new life that we're to live, this fruitful life that we're called to, they're not individual. You see, so often we think of the Christian life as something that I do on my own. It's about my personal relationship with Jesus and nothing more. And listen, in some sense, your Christian life is personal. You should be able to go into your room with the door closed and pray to God, just you and him. That's a wonderful thing. But that's not the entirety of the Christian life. That's not all of it. And if you try to do this on your own, you're not going to bear fruit. Because so much of this is a function of being in community. So we read through that section in Ephesians 4, we see things like, Put away falsehood. At the end of that verse in 25, it says, for we are members of one another. We're members of one another. Let no corrupting talk, this is verse 29, come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You see, so much of this Christian life that we're called to, so much of this fruitful life, is founded in community. In community. So if we want to be fruitful people, if we want to live in light of the new creation that we've been made to be, then we water ourselves with the word of God, we water ourselves with prayer, and we also do it with Christian community. In Hebrews chapter 3, it speaks of this, when it says, take care, brothers, this is 3.12, it says, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Guys, we need each other because we need accountability because we need love, because we need encouragement, because we need grace. Sin is deceitful. Sin is, is deceitful. It will lie to us. But when we're living in Christian community with other believers, there are other people to help us see through the lies of sin to the truth of Christ. So if we want to live this life that's been described, this putting on the new man, this life of, of truthfulness and forgiveness, generosity, peacefulness, kindness, and love, then we need to spend time in the word of God. We need to spend time praying to God. And we need to spend time with the people of God in the church. And I've said the word community a lot, but I will say that in the Bible, God sets up a, sets up a very specific means for community. If you, have, if you have Christian friends at school, people you hang out with at lunch, that's great. I'm glad. Praise God for that. But you know what? That's not all you need. You need to be a part of a church. If you're going to live this Christian life, this recrafted life, 
If you're going to live it in a way that is fruitful, then you need to be in a local church. And not even just your youth group. No, you need to be a part of the church. Because that's what God has established. That's what he set it up. You need to be under the authority of pastors. You need to be surrounded with people from different generations who know and love Jesus that they might point you towards Jesus. If you start doing that now in junior high, then you are going to have an incredibly fruitful life. You're going to have a life that is filled with the fruit of the Spirit that is obviously and evidently recrafted. If you start filling it today with the word of God, with prayer to God, and with fellowship with the people of God. You know, a lot of times when I, when I talk with people, and I tell them that I, that I used to live up here, that I used to work at Hume, I get the same response a lot. I get people saying, oh, I love Hume. I just go, I go up to Hume and I just, I feel God there so much more. I just, I feel so close to God when I'm up at camp. And that's true. I've felt that. I've been a camper. I've been in your shoes and, and I know what the camp high feels like. I know, I know that camp worship hits different. Like I understand that. But do you know why that is? Do you know why God feels so near at hand up here? God feels so close up here. Your relationship with God feels so vibrant up here. And then you go home and it feels like that fire is just put out. Do you know why that is? It's not because this place is magical. It's not because we're up on top of a hill and it means we're closer to heaven. It's not because God lives here in a way that he doesn't live in Kingsburg or in Bakersfield or in Fresno or wherever, you guys else, wherever else you guys are from. It's not because God has some special presence here. The reason you feel God at camp the way you feel God at camp is because at camp you are spending your entire day in the means of grace. You come up here and you spend either a weekend or if you're here in the summer, you spend a week surrounded by the body of Christ. You spend a whole week in Christian community with your friends who are pointing you towards Jesus, with counselors who are doing the same. You spend the whole time that you're up here in the word of God constantly. You have chapels multiple times a day. You have Devo times. You're, you're constantly opening the word of God. You're constantly praying. We pray in chapel. We pray at meals. We pray in, in, your, in your cabin um, discussion times. You're praying constantly. Guys, the only reason that a camp high exists is because at camp, you are constantly putting yourself in the means of grace. At camp, you're like a tree drinking up all the water. And so you start to feel it and you start to see fruit. But then you go home and you deprive yourself of water right away. You stop spending as much time in the word. You stop spending as much time in fellowship, in community, in the church. You stop spending as much time in prayer. And then you go, I don't understand why I don't feel like I felt at camp. It's because you're a tree that is parched for water. If you want to live the recrafted life, if you want to live a life that accurately reflects what God has done inside of you, 
If you want your actions and your character and your speech to reflect who Jesus says he has made you, then you must be watering the tree. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't make yourself more loving or peaceful or patient or kind on your own. Only the Holy Spirit of God, the very same Holy Spirit of God who saved you from sin and death, he's the only one who can grow these things in your life. And you can participate in his work by making sure that you are being watered by the word of God by prayer to God, and by time spent with the people of God, the body of Christ. When you're watered by those things, you will bear fruit. You will begin to put off the old man, that dead version of yourself that God says you no longer are if you were in Christ Jesus. That will begin to become a distant memory and you will begin to put on this new creation, to live this recrafted life. Your life on the outside will match the reality on the inside. That you've been given eyes to see the truth, a heart to love God, and a new life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the grace upon grace that you give us, that you not only save us from our sin, but you give us new life. And God, that, that you also, you sanctify us, that you make us more and more like you through the means of grace. You make our character more and more like Jesus. You bring the outward expression of who we are more and more into line with who you've made us to be internally recreated, recrafted creatures. God, I pray that as these kids go back home, as these campers return home, that they would continue to put themselves in the way of the means of grace. That they would continue to read your word, to meditate on it day and night. They would continue to come to you with everything in prayer, with thanksgiving and supplication. And God, that they would continue to put themselves into Christian community, brothers and sisters that love them and might spur them on to love and good works, that they might be a part of a healthy church that desires, above all else, to glorify you. Father, we pray that you would grow fruit in us, that by the power of your Spirit, we might reflect your Son. In Jesus' name.